This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Colorado Avalanche tonight have an opportunity to take a 3-1. The, the term is stranglehold usually, but I wouldn't say that's actually going to be the case in the NHL playoffs because it doesn't usually work that way, but a very valuable game for the Avs if they could take it, take a 3-1 lead, win both of those in Seattle. It will be uh, probably a pretty tough pull, but here they are. I would say stranglehold might be a little strong, but it's not far off. It's not far if they can get it done. From a psychological point of view. Yes. Because I, you'd win, I think you'd the, have the other two at home night, and yeah, you'd win. We had right. another event in won. this series that turned out the Avalanche way. Now, remember Game Two? We talked last week about the save by Georgiev, who's not had a great series, but he he made that one great save that I think not only turned that game but turned the series around. At the end of the second period, the Avalanche seemingly had recaptured control of the game but it was a four-on-four situation. Seattle broke out three-on-one, and he made the save that he had to make, and the Avalanche went on and won the game. The other night, they're up 3-1, the Avs are, as you well remember, Mm -hmm. in the second period, and you blink, and it's 3-3. And at that point, I think they faced another moment of truth, but maybe he hasn't put a stranglehold on this series, but he's certainly taken it over. Nathan McKinnon (laughs) has been as dominant so far in these playoffs as an individual can be, and that includes Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers. You can't be more dominant than he has been, especially in these last two games. I mean, that that's NBA playoff LeBron, Kevin Durant. It, Steph re- it Curry really it really stuff. is. It really that, is. What he's that's a great doing. point. And it's single-handed. And uh, you know, yeah, Rantanen got back on his game the other night. McCars played well uh, the last two games, especially the other night. That explosiveness was back. I don't know what uh, healing powers overcame him. Uh, between games two and three, but even Anson Carter was saying between periods on Turner that he wasn't sure we were going to see that Kale McCarr in these playoffs due to the injuries. Mm -hmm. And I was equally skeptical, if not more so. The other night in game three, that's the real McCarr. And what a thrill it was to watch him and then McKinnon, of course, and also Rantanen, the big three, who after uh, the first game appeared to be favoring Seattle on the basis of their depth over the Avs' star power. Now that's flipped. And now the Kraken are taking lessons from the dominance of the superstars of the Colorado Avalanche. Obviously, there the expectation is uh, lines will be similar than to the, than the the last game. Obviously, the the if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it category. We don't know what's happening with Valeri Nachushkin. Nobody seems to know what's going on. Uh, he was not at at least a prep today at, at, at for the for the Avs. No, it and no real sign from uh, the fact that the we Avs, don't know very agents, much. 
but nobody's saying anything, and that seems ominous. Nobody is saying. We know it's personal, oh, personal it, reasons, well, and that can not cover an, a lot of ground. Not an injury. But what we we do know is that it seems like a long term thing. Whatever it is, it seems long term. It seems if it if it, it was not, not back entirely open ended, soon. the Avs would be more forthcoming about it. Now, last night, or pardon me, Saturday night, the lines were Lekin and McKinnon, Rodriguez. Uh, then the second line was Nieto, Comfort, and Rantanen. The third. Nice move to put Nieto up and actually give him ice time on that second yeah. line. I thought Nieto was was very good the other night. He did not look out of place with Comfort and Rantanen, who both had terrific games uh, the other night. And it allows you to leave Eller with Myers and Morgan, mm-hmm. Newhook with Cogliano and O'Connor. And obviously good news to see Cogliano back. And Eller, yeah. who looked like he might have gotten hurt in, in game Two as well. uh, yes, but he was back and he looked fine and he got 14 minutes, 20 seconds of ice time, which is a lot for a third line. Yeah, seven. seems like he's okay. And uh, the fact of the matter is, remember early in the uh, series when uh, of the bottom nine forwards, uh, most of them played 10 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Only four forwards played less than 10 minutes. Well, you want to know why Eller gets uh, the minutes he gets. was one of them and he was on the penalty kill which has been terrific. I, I mean, they got a garbage power play goal at the end to make it 6-4. But, you know, Cogliano, Myers, Morgan, and Newhook, who was benched after his uh, defensive uh, <laughs> no-show on <laughs> the tying goal that made it 3-3, three to three. Uh, we didn't see much of Alex. Only, only six that. minutes and 39 no, seconds on ice. Worth noting with Eller, by the way, and, and something that the Avs are not particularly strong on, and I get that the statistics by and large, especially advanced stats in hockey, tell you that face-off percentage is not generally a, a stat that is causal. And what I mean is that you look at it and say that leads to something else, with one notable exception, if you are winning those draws in the offensive zone. That is different because the, the stats will tell you that those first 10 to 12 and, and, seconds and on the after winning kill. the draw, yeah. On the penalty kill in your own end, you need to win some Those draws. are. Eller, in game three, took 10 face-offs and won eight of them. And they were much better on face-offs, not only in game three, but in game two as well. Much better on face-offs. They're, they're still not a team that generally then, has been good, but, but in this series, they, they've then, been good, and Eller been has good. been outstanding. Well... Uh, it, here's here's the number for me. With at least one of the aforementioned trio of McCarr, Renton, and McKinnon on the ice, at even strength, 75% of expected goals with at least one of them on the ice at even strength. Pretty impressive. They've been, they've been and very good. And, of course, uh, they were involved, at least one of them, in five of the six goals <laughs> the Avs scored. I mean, that's all you need to do. I mean, that's that tells you everything. Two-to-one lead. This is going to be an interesting game because I, you know, I always look at games, whatever it is, and I, I try to look at, Maybe four different four different outcomes, right? That's where I that's where I start. I try to look at a game and I break it down and I do four different outcomes. A close win for team A, a big win for team A, a close win for team B, a big win for team B. And if the home team is going to be team A, could there be a close win for the Kraken? Yes, of course. 
Can I envision a big win for the Kraken, like a blowout? I kind of can't. Can I envision a close win for the Avs? Yes. Can I envision a blowout for the Avs? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's kind of where you, where I tend to start. And I, I think that the Avalanche kind of have the Kraken teetering over the last two games. They have looked, at least yeah. the last the last five well, periods of hockey, they have looked like the vastly superior team than we thought they were. And it feels like they kind of have, the, we, we would say it in basketball, you'd have them on skates. Uh, it, it feels a little bit as they if... They have them on the run. Yeah, the, they, the, they have them on the run. The Kraken are certainly on their heels, and they could be and tipped over tonight, I think, with a fast start by the end. We talk about this. There comes a point in every series. In most series. I, let me say most series. Not everyone. In this series, that goes seven games where neither team is conceding an inch to the other. But in most series, one team at some point realizes that it can't win four games. I think if that moment hasn't quite arrived yet for Seattle, it's close. It's close. They're right on the verge of believing, eh, maybe we can steal another game, but beat these guys three more times. In the next four games, um, yeah, probably not. There, there, there's some doubts about that. And I'm not again saying they've reached that point, but I think it's close. And you know, you you see the competitiveness of McKinnon, and you see how pugnacious he can be, particularly at the end of the game, right? And you see how hard he is to check off the puck. I mean, if it, if it can catch him, you can't get him off the puck. So he, he's got speed that reminds you of Sackick, and he's got strength on the puck that reminds you of Forsberg. And listen, I'm not saying he's better than either one or both, but I'm saying he's in the same class with those guys. And... He is more than just a fancy Dan. In fact, he is just the opposite of that. And to me, that distinguishes him. Uh, Connor McDavid is magnificent. And I, I was texting with a friend Ooh, last they night. They are lucky. They are. Well, this was okay. almost 3-1 they're, Kings. They're lucky. And you can say, well, it's almost 3-1 Kings. Well, the Kings almost won the series last year, too, but they didn't. Fair point. And when it was 3 to nothing after one period, that all they need is a couple of power plays, and they'll be right back in a game because they're automatic on the power play. They really are. Uh, yeah, that and, team's and, terrifying and, on and the power the, play. And the thing about they the playoffs is Godzilla. that there are a lot of teams that look like Edmonton on the power play, but Edmonton's not a lesser team on a power play. It's just that other teams in the playoffs have been, and not including the Avalanche, by the way, who have not been terribly productive on the power play, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah, but you're right. you know... It didn't take much, and they're the only team, including Boston, who could be trailing L.A. in L.A. three to nothing after one period. And I said it's a it's a toss up. And by the second period, it's three to three. By the end of the second period, it's three to three, and they do get their power play going. And yeah, they fall behind in the third period, four to three. But I'm sorry, I thought their tying goal was inevitable. And in the overtime, even more inevitable that they would win. 
the Avalanche, the uh, only team without a power play goal. So they're the only ones. So their power play percentage is uh, 0.0%. Uh, Dallas is second at 375 in the playoffs. Edmonton, 54.5. I told you they're automatic. Do not take penalties I mean, if you take against the Edmonton multiple Oilers. Penalties, uh, Good in a game. Goodness. They will burn you on a power Not only do they have 54.5%, but they also have the most power play goals of any teams in the playoffs. So it's yeah. not like they've had two cracks at it. And, I mean, and, and yikes. You know what? I know he was Six hobbled. 22. He was hobbled a bit the other night, but that doesn't affect him on a power play very much. McDavid is, is remarkable. But you know what? McKinnon's averaging still more than 1.3 points per game in the playoffs. That's astonishing. That That is up almost a quarter point per game from what he averages in the regular season, which is amazing enough. It's over one point per game in his career in the regular season, but it's more than 1.3 goals per game. I'm sorry, points per game in the playoffs. Yeah. It's just amazing. Now, McKinnon's higher uh, than just about everybody except McDavid, uh, but – I I just think the effect he's had on this series and the way he skates, I I just think that McDavid is smooth, you know, got the strides and everything, and McKinnon is just so explosive, and so they're both great uh, for different reasons and in different ways, but uh, you know at this point as we speak, the guy with the cup is McKinnon, right. And the guy whose team, you're right, could have been down three games to one, could have been. Um, you know, he, he's he's still searching for that first Stanley Cup. And, you know, this series is not over. But would it shock me if Edmonton won at home and then finished him off in L.A.? No. No, no of course not. But they're the, it, they're the better team. I, I think this series still could go seven. And I think the, the goaltending issue, uh, remember, they Skinner was the prized rookie. Uh, and and the backup was a major disappointment this year, and yet it was Campbell, the backup who bailed out the rookie. Last night they yanked the rookie, who was very shaky, when they were behind three to nothing. And you talk about saving a series. Who would have thought that Campbell, who wasn't very good during the season, and got benched in favor of Skinner? Who would have thought that Campbell would be the guy to turn the series? Around, he stopped every shot but one. What was it, 25 for 26, 26 for 27, something in that area. If he hadn't been as good as he was, it, they, could, they could have scored four goals in regulation. Women six to four, they'd have lost. Avs need uh, to break through maybe with an early goal in this. Georgiev in the series, 3.04 goals against average, 898, yeah, same percentage. Grubauer, 306 for the 917. Needs to be a little bit better, but we'll find out what... The abs are in line to be able to do. Grubauer's not psyching him out. No, no, no. He most certainly is not. But we'll check in uh, out in Seattle where the Denver Gazette's Kyle Fredrickson is covering the abs. We'll talk to him next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. 
presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Joining us now to talk about the Colorado Avalanche from the Denver Gazette is Kyle Fredrickson. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Fredrickson. That's F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Uh, Kyle, thank you for, for the time today. The, the Avalanche get their win on Saturday. They do so without Valeri Nichushkin. Uh, presumably, they're not going to have him tonight as well. The situation there with the lines uh, probably staying the same way. Uh, what, what was those latest you're hearing? Yeah, so the, the Val deal is, is tough to decipher, right? I mean, the Avs are notorious for being one of the more tight-lipped organizations in the league. Val's a very private person, bit of a language barrier. He's been, been pretty tough to know as a reporter. Um, and the team has essentially just continued to say personal reasons. And because that covers such a large umbrella, that could mean a lot for the timetable, for exactly what's happened. Um, but here's what I do know. I do know that the absence isn't health-related. Um, Val went into Game 3 missing morning skate, but wasn't a cause for concern because the team just said it was maintenance. He's had ankle issues all year. But then sort of coming out of that and them saying that it was personal reasons instead of maintenance, Jared did say that if Val was here, that he's healthy enough to be in the lineup. Um, it's just obviously not the case. Uh, the team is also saying it's not a discipline issue, right? I think a lot of times when a guy gets sent home, or lead the road trip early in, in the process. You wonder, hey, what happened behind the scenes? And maybe that's the case. I mean, we just don't know all the details of, of what happened. But Bednar said, uh, basically reiterated, like, hey, you know, this, this is not disciplining him. This is a personal issue. There's no timetable uh, and left it at that. So, you know, we'll keep asking questions and, and see what happens. But I think a best-case scenario is, hey, battles back for game five. This is a non-storyline. He had something to take care of. He took care of it. It's done. But if it lingers, you know, into next week, the week after that, into the second round or, or beyond, I think it really hampers the, the Avs' chances of repeating just based on what Nachushkin brings to this lineup and just that razor-thin margin of error that this team has just because, you know, it's, it's not the team from a year ago that they don't have that championship depth uh, to weather all of these injuries and, and all of these absences. It just seems like this team can't catch a break. It does seem that way. But as you say, we know he's not hurt. Um, his return does not, from what they're saying or not saying, it doesn't appear to be imminent. And yet, what they had the other night, I thought from Nieto on that second line, was comparable, anyway, to what they might have had with Nishushkin. And you certainly can't say Nieto dragged down Comfer or Ratton. Both had, I thought, their best games of the series. Yeah, I, I would agree, and, and kudos to, to Matt Nieto for stepping up into a top-six role, something we just never anticipated when they acquired him at the trade deadline. But he's a glue guy, right? He, he's going to fit in with pretty much every line. All his teammates really love him. He, he understands kind of the, the, the overall objective of what the team's trying to do as opposed to you know just going in and getting his. So, yeah, you know, in terms of, what the team was able to do in, in Game 3 to, to take that commanding lead, uh, the Stars had to be stars as well, right? I mean, oh, none of, of that happens with, without McKinnon's goals and that. And But but to your point, you know, I, I think that there is another credit there to the Avalanche for having a next guy up mentality, for having a, a guy who maybe on paper isn't Nachushkin, 
But, you know, a, a 75% Valeri Nichushkin might, you know, to your point, could be 100% Matt Nieto. So yeah. uh, for the Avs, they'll keep charging on. I, I think for this round, they, they feel confident, you know, Val or not. But when the competition gets stiffer and then more guys start getting banged up, I think that's when it has a, a bigger impact. We're just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen next. So given the fact, yeah, and that's where I think where I was going is that not only are they losing the talent, but in this case, you're kind of losing two guys with similar skill sets, two big physical wingers. Mm-hmm. So not only have you lost two guys, but you've lost almost two guys from the same position. And, and so it, in that way, it's it's doubly hard because, yeah, teams have depth at certain positions, but it's kind of like all of a sudden now you're going to the, you went from the first string quarterback to the third string quarterback, and that's a very different setup. Yeah, for sure. And it's a good point and, and something that I've, kind of noticed or, or looked at this season, you know, with, without Landeskog in the lineup, Val's really played a similar role, right? Big physical winger, gets in front of the net, the greasy stuff, the, the, the hard goals, you know, he's, he has that really wicked one-timer, but, you know, mostly it's just good placement and using his body and screening, um, you know, the, the goaltender's eyes for his teammates. Um, you know, those are things that, that Matt Nieto can do well, but not quite as well as, as Val or, or, or Landeskog. So, yeah, it, it really kind of changes almost the way that this team has to, to play to a, to a certain extent. Um, you know, they've always been that fast-break mentality and, and, and get up and down the ice. And I think now more than ever, uh, they need to take advantage of those opportunities and also cash in on the power play, right? You know, that's, that's one thing that we haven't seen out of the team yet in the playoffs. We have not seen it, but uh, we have seen uh, the dominance of Nathan McKinnon, as you uh, touched on a minute ago. And... Again, it's an example of the, the particular package that he brings to bear on every game uh, really is unique. And I'm not saying he's better than Connor McDavid, but it's a different package. And for playoff purposes, you have that uh, relentless competitiveness and especially the pugnacious quality that we saw come out in the final seconds of the game the other night, right? And he is allowed, uh, with some help, of course, but he is basically allowed the avalanche when they've hit two moments of truth in this series, game two when they're down 2 nothing, and the other night when a 3-1 lead disappears in a blink of an eye and the score is 3-3, he's lifted them, particularly the other night, in those situations. Yeah, it's it's incredible to watch. I mean, he is he is the non Connor McDavid MVP. Maybe they ought to just make another awards category because of of how good McDavid is. But yeah, McKinnon understands what his role is on this group. I think now more than ever, uh, what I appreciate about him is that you know, good mood or bad news, you know, bad bad mood. Uh, you know, he's going to be kind of the barometer for the team. You know, that there's nights where he's great. You know, last night he talked for. Uh, you know, maybe five minutes after that game three uh, victory and, and was very insightful about different topics about the team. And, and then there's nights where he might, you know, kind of bark at you and say, hey, are you guys done? And then leave the room quickly. So, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's the leader that this group needs. And, and I do think that, you know, sports fans who can actually watch these games now, now that the, yeah. the, they're not blacked out, they need to appreciate it, right? Because we're really witnessing one of the greatest athletes in, in Colorado pro history and the way that he just plays the game at a different speed. Um, you know, there's just going to be times in tonight's game where you'll watch him where the Kraken are, are going to biff on pretty much every one of his deeks just because there's no way to anticipate what this guy does next. So 
Uh, to see it in person, um, especially with a great vantage point in the press box here, you really get to look over the top of the ice. Um, it's a joy to watch. And, you know, if, if the Avs end up do getting back to the finals, um, you know, a lot of things are going to contribute to it, but it, it's going to be Nate driving the bus. Uh, uh, Kale McCarr, you, you can go to the metrics and see that uh, he had an expected goal share of 86.70, which Ooh, is unbelievable wow. the other night. But I saw the explosiveness that was there last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I wasn't sure I'd see it in this series at least, but there it was the other night, the old Makar, seemingly uh, healed from games one and two. Uh, he, He was much more explosive and devastating the other night. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, in terms of, you know, how does this team adapt without Val Dachushkin, a lot of things, you know, have to maybe change and, and guys stepping up. But the blue liner is producing more offense, uh, to me, becomes yep. even more in, imperative, right? Kale yep. getting into the zone, being unafraid. Um, you know, I remember asking Bednar in a, a playoff series pass or a, a year or two ago, like, is, is it possible for Kale to take too many shots? And his answer was no. Like the, the, <laughs> we need him to be involved. Like if, if he's feeling hot, like we want him getting pucks on the net. So uh, to see, yeah, to your point, to, to see him playing more in that you know aggressive style where he's you know moving his legs and and, and just also like McKinnon playing at a different speed uh, does wonders for this team. So you know now that he has a couple games under his belt after really really missing a a big run up to the postseason, uh, it's going to mean a lot for this group moving forward. And you know Kale uh, like Nate, you know it's it's like watching history every night when when he's on the ice. We're talking with Kyle Fredrickson of the Denver Gazette about the Colorado Avalanche and their opportunity tonight to take the game against the Kraken and a 3-1 series. Uh, How do you look at Alexander Georgiev's performance in these first three games? I mean, the moments there's been up and down. Uh, He's looked really good in in phases, and it really has been almost a period-to-period affair. Since this is his first time ever as a starter in the playoff realm, what have you thought thus far? Yeah, you know, if if I gave him a grade, I'd probably go with either like A minus or, or B plus. And, and that's a high standard, right? I mean, this is a team that expects to, to make a deep run. Um, there's been a few goals that he, he wanted back a few times on the breakaway from, you know, some of those shots from the slot have, have, have gotten through. But the majority of, of the goals that this team has given up have been the result of defensive breakdowns, and, and especially through the first four periods. So yeah. I do think there's a, there's a bit of a mixed bag there, but I, I do appreciate just the confidence that this group has in Gorgiev. You know, I, I think I asked Jared Bednar after uh, game three or before game three, like, you know, do you go to Francois in one of these to give him a break, or, or do you like to ride the hot hand? Um, and with no hesitation, it was ride the hot hand, right? And, and I think until Georgiev slips or, or shows that he needs a day off, they're just going to keep coming back to him. So oh, you know, sure. he's, he's first off the ice after morning skate, so, so he'll be in there again today. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the, the narrative on him is, has been pretty steady. You know, not, not, not a perfect performance by him, um, but that could be said of the entire team. So, uh, you know, I do expect him to, to be a guy who maybe steals a game for the Avs in this series or next. Um, you know, we'll see how he plays tonight, but it doesn't feel like the moment's too big for him at all. And, and that's big when, you know, you're, you're 26 years old and, and doing this for the first time. You know, it's, it's early in the playoffs, but it, it continues to strike me that you've got a team with all these injuries that stripped the club largely of the depth it expected to have. No captain, no playoff-proven goaltender, 
not a number one overall seed in the West, and they're playing a 100-point team that, though in its second year, is still a good hockey team. They're pretty much where they should be, aren't they, after three games, up two games to one? Forget how it's come about. Two games to one, you know, I guess you'd rather be up 3-0, but how realistic is it? Two and one's pretty good for now. Yeah, yeah. For sure, I don't think there was any panic after Game One, and to me, it's it's not overly surprising, right? I mean, this is a city with you know one of the best fan bases for for NFL football, and 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 that you know stadium's just down the road from here. It's the same folks who have a, a strong passion for this, so you know it was rocking in here the the first game, and it's not like the the ads weren't prepared for it or they weren't ready for it, but I just think there's a natural adjustment that comes to saying, okay, we're in the playoffs, where that this is it, you know, we've we've got to be. 100%, 100% of the time, and there was just such this strong push to win the Central, I felt, at the end of the regular season that, you know, fair or not, I, maybe there was just a bit of a hangover to, to get back to that level of play. So uh, the way this team has performed, you know, in the in the last, you know, six periods uh, of these games that, that we've watched in the series has been really encouraging, um, but they have trailed in every game, right? I think one thing that'll tell us about their mentality or how they're feeling tonight is, you know, can the abs get up 1-0, silence this crowd early, and build on that? Because to this point, um, you know, it's been a lot of getting back into the game or, or then letting Seattle get back in the game. Um, to, you know, to be able to dictate something from start to finish uh, would give this group a lot of confidence coming back to Colorado. That is the voice of Kyle Fredrickson from the Denver Gazette, the Colorado Avalanche beat writer there. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Fredrickson. That's F-R-E-D-R-I-C. S-O-N. Of course, check him out at denvergazette.com. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll catch you uh, soon enough and maybe even uh, talking about a second round series. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Should be a fun night. Thank you. All right, thanks. Kyle Fredrickson joining us from the Denver Gazette. Uh, the point you made, Sandy, I think was, really, was a really cogent one. No matter how they got there, if you were to say, after three games, the Avalanche are up 2-1, and look like the better team. You take it, right? They're still really on track. Yeah. And and, and if you tell me before the series, not only are they up 2-1 after three games, but McKinnon is locked and loaded all the time. McCarr is getting better. McCarr has his explosiveness back. Ranton and his juggernaut. appeared to be in kind of a mini funk, exploded out of it the other night. Look at the go-ahead goal. You know, I, I mean, he. The had nice thing help, is they have but, adjusted to the line but, split. But they they, they look they looked have, really good on those they, different they lines. They look connected on all four lines, at least three of the four lines. The other night, I you know I thought Cagliano and Connor, though they didn't play a ton, but really good on the penalty kill. But you, you've got to have these three stars. All due respect to Seattle, the three best players in this series. Or McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr. And, uh, you know, it, it's enough to have one or maybe even two of the best players in the series. You have three players in the series all on your team who are clearly the best players. The Avalanche have a chance to get it done tonight and go up 3-1, to one, which is, by the way, the lead the Denver Nuggets have over the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll break down what's latest with them with Coach George Carl next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough 
and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Delighted to be joined now by Naismith Hall of Famer and George Carl, host of the uh, Truth and Basketball podcast that he hosts with, uh, well, the guy on my left here, Sandy Clough. Uh, Coach, thank you for the time and thank you for joining us. Uh, love to know your thoughts after game four. Sandy and I saw it a little bit differently. I was sort of heartened by the fact that I thought in a game that they could have punted, I think that they they tried to go get that win and finish it off. But Sandy saw it quite differently. So how did you see uh, the Nuggets' performance, and was there anything in there that either makes you concerned about the way they approached it or confident about the way they approached it? I think, man, I think Minnesota found uh, that maybe the key to beating Denver is uh, Murray and not Jokic. Yep. And I think that's one thing that bothers me about Denver is their offense isn't explosive as it once was. For some reason, they're, you know, the pace of the game, uh, their execution in the half court is a little, you know, sporadic. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's something that would put on the good side that. I think they need to become more desperate. Uh, they, they've had a tendency of being too cool a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I have no problem with it because I'm not, I'm not a big believer that a shortened series necessarily makes more sense. Because this team needs to learn how to play in playoff basketball. But playing another extra game, or I don't think it'll be two. I think they'll end it tomorrow. Right. Um, but, you know, Minnesota's very talented. The reason they don't win is they just play stretches, stretches of stupid basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what the hell are they doing basketball at times? And when they lost that 12-point lead, I'm going Wow, I would be jumping off a bridge or something. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it's just crazy. Bad shot after bad shot. A lot of, a lot of me shots in that stretch. Uh, and they don't realize that that's what losing playoff games. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like playoff basketball is a little bit like the ground game and in football. It's a little more conservative but it's a little harder to play sometimes and if you try to pass and you turn it over it gets dangerous I want to follow up on your point regarding their crowding of Murray last night and it wasn't just Alexander Walker's individual defense they seem to make the choice to pretty much play Jokic one-on-one, even with Towns fouling out of the game because he was playing Jokic one-on-one in exchange for crowding Murray and maybe giving Murray a more challenging look. Um, My question, I guess, should the Nuggets respond by doing the same sort of thing with Edwards, who seems to be the only Minnesota player who can really hurt you? Well, Sandy, I'm going to be honest with you. I, 
I think their defense, anybody that gets downhill has a, a real easy route. And I know everybody talks about how better they are defensively. But they have too many guards to get 40 points on them. And um, I, I think Edwards is definitely their key. They have a good pulse and control over towns. And, uh, you know, my belief is I think, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a not easy game, but I think they'll have to go. I think they can make tomorrow's game not a fourth quarter game if they want to. Uh, but I think, I think Jamal is, when that, when you pressure Jamal, he becomes more offensive oriented. Yep. He searches and he, he probes, he dribbles a little too much. And I think it just slows everybody down. It makes everybody stand around. And uh, don't get me wrong, they're still really good down the stretch together. But, uh, you know, I, 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 like, I like the part that they got to go out tomorrow and show us that they're for real. Because they were getting a lot of love and a lot of kisses. And I'm not sure Minnesota's that good. The bench obviously has been an, an issue too. Generating consistent offense off the bench was a problem. It was a problem last night. Bruce Brown certainly has been pretty consistent for the most part of bringing double digit numbers. But after that, it's really been hit and miss. And last night, only uh, DeAndre Jordan at the very end got you know one point. Uh, what are you seeing from the bench, either in the way it's deployed or the way it's playing, that's hampering its productivity? Uh, I just think I think that's who they are. I think it's been an inconsistent part of their personality all year long. And I keep hearing they're going to let Bruce Brown go next year, and I go, I hope they don't do that. And I think Bruce Brown is really a good player. And uh, I, I don't know. They just don't they, – they, they don't have – the coaching staff doesn't have confidence in the bench, and the bench doesn't have any confidence in when they play and how, how they're supposed to play. I think they're going to be a seven, eight man rotation the rest of the way. That could become fatiguing if you go to the third or fourth round. But right now, it doesn't matter. Right now, they're starting to end the series and get ready probably for Phoenix. Yeah. But you have to remember the one thing you got to remember what Minnesota is learning about Denver, Phoenix is going to know about Denver. The greatness of NBA playoffs. If it, as good as you play to win a series, you got to play better and smarter the next series. And the process of knowing and learning that is I think Phoenix has experience on their side in that area. Even though I don't think Phoenix is playing that well, right? they still, they still have a rhythm that they know how to win and get to the finals. As long as we're talking about other series, before we let you run, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on Sacramento-Golden State, which to me has been throughout the entire playoffs so far by far the most entertaining series uh, with a couple of sensational games, one certainly yesterday uh, that Golden State managed to hang on and win after almost uh, doing what Minnesota did uh, last night and and blow a simply uh, uh, seemingly – insurmountable lead. Um, 
We hear today that Fox uh, broke the tip of his finger on his shooting hand, but may still try to play with it. As the series stands at 2-2, it looks like a home court series, but now we know Fox may be handicapped somewhat. What's your sense of that series and how dangerous either one of those two teams could be, the one that advances? I like Sacramento a lot. Uh, I don't like Golden State. I just don't think Golden State can do what they're doing in the same more series. I'm rooting for Sacramento. I just love the story. I love the storyline. I love what they're doing. And I think they're for real. I really do. Fox is not a good player. He might become a superstar right in front of us right now. And I, I, I don't... I don't think there's any credence of him not playing whenever they play tomorrow or Wednesday or whenever they play. He's going to play. <laughs> and I didn't see him. I thought he was pretty damn good in the fourth quarter. So when did he hurt his, hurt his finger? I don't remember when. Um, and I just I think it's been a great, great series. Uh, it, it is by far the best basketball being, being played in the playoffs right now. Uh, but I, I think the next round is going to give us some more series like this. Right. I'm rooting for Sacramento. Uh, I thought I thought I thought Sacramento got some extras last night, and if they can sustain them in the next game, I think they're going to win. And the stats say that the team that wins Game Five is probably going to win the series. Right. That is George Carl, of course, host of the Truth and Basketball a podcast. Make sure you check it out. It's part of a partnership with Coach's Media Company, Truth Plus Media, podcast on sports leadership and human performance. You can find them at truthplusmedia.com, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, and YouTube in partnership with My Life Sports. Delighted to have the opportunity to uh, learn from the coach. Thank you so much. We will find out uh, who wins game five soon enough. Appreciate the time, Coach. Well, it's a great time of year. We've got sunshine, golf on the, on the horizon, and basketball every night. Thanks, George. We'll see you Wednesday. Okay, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, George Carl, uh, joining us. Obviously, this is, uh, a, you know, we'll see. Game, game five is, uh, I'm with you. I think I think the Nuggets will get this done and probably blow the doors off and, the table. And I, I think George feels the same way. But, but you know what? You have to actually get it done. You do. And I, but the most interesting thing to me that he said, apart from the Murray stuff, which uh, we'll talk more about tomorrow, I I thought he said, you know, the longer the series goes, and they could have swept it last night mm-hmm. without playing great, they mm-hmm. could they could have won that game. The longer the series goes, the more opportunity Phoenix, or I suppose. <laughs> It's still, uh, it it still could be the Clippers, but right, unlikely. Right. Doesn't look uh, like it. The more they find out about you, right? The more they find out about your weaknesses, more stuff you put on tape. Yep, and and the the doubling and Murray, crowding made a Murray, uh, it mattered. It, it shook up. That the was a good move by Minnesota. It was, and I suspect they'll probably do it again, or at least start with it. We will find out. Maybe they'll maybe the Nuggets will respond to the same. Edwards, I'd be. I think it's worth a try. We'll see. I do. The Avalanche, of course, will play tonight against the Kraken. An opportunity to take a three-one lead. Thanks to Kyle Fredericks and the Denver Gazette for joining us, and of course, of course, uh, Coach George Carl to talk about the Nuggets. Uh, Danny Bailey's the man, the boot that makes everything work. 
And, of course, Andrew Detmer's back there making the video work, too. Thanks for everyone who's listening on the website, MyLifeSports.com, and the free app. They're probably the best way to listen to it, crystal clear, whenever you want it. So check it out. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to hand things off to our friends at Afternoon Drive, Anila Piro and Cody Rourke. But for Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on Mile High Sports.